0: Welcome to More to Come, P.W. Comic World's podcast of comics and graphic novel news. I am Heidi McDonald. I am the Editor-in-Chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com. You can check us out on all social medias at at P.W. Comics World. That's on Twitter, on Facebook, on Tumblr. and We're also on iTunes where you can subscribe to us. And uh, if you do subscribe, leave us a note and let us know that you're listening. We like to hear from you. Well, today... We are talking to Fred Van Lenty, uh, the esteemed writer of uh, more comics than you can shake a stick at, and and now an, an emerging novelist, I guess you could say, Fred?
1: Sure. Hmm.
0: We can uh, say that. Welcome, Fred. Welcome to More to Come. Thanks, Heidi. Um. So, yeah, you've pretty much written it all, so uh, we could talk a little bit about the writer's life, I guess, and, and dealing sure. with that in this strange time we find ourselves in, but... But the main reason I'm calling is the con artist. Your recently published murder mystery set at a gigantic comic con in San Diego. <laughs> Does... go unnamed. I'm sorry.
1: I said, which, which can go unnamed. But
0: yes. I was... Yes. More so,
1: of a joke. Sorry. <laughs>
0: you don't give it a name in the book, do you?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Yeah. Um, and yet, you managed to hit all the places that those of us who have been to the San Diego Comic-Con will recognize completely. Yes, yes. Uh, I, in fact, there's um, the murder, the first murder takes place in a fairly iconic setting. You want to talk about that a little bit?
1: Sure. Uh, yeah, The Con Artist is my uh, second murder mystery uh, from Quirk Books, distributed by Random House. Uh, and uh, like you said, it's, it's set at, at, at a San Diego Comic-Con. Um, starring a, uh, famous comic book artist who's essentially accused of murdering his editor that he has a long and, and, and checkered history with. Uh, and the editor winds up dead, uh, on the, say the, the sort of iconic stairs of the San Diego Convention Center that come down from what's called the Top Sale Pavilion. Uh, and, uh, what's neat is that when the folks at Quirk did the book jacket cover, um, the illustration is sort of like Funko doll cosplayers on the staircase, and it's sort of a recreation of that murder scene. Uh, yes. done, like, kind of two-dimensionally. It's really neat.
0: It is, it is. Who did the cover art, as a matter of
1: fact? A terrific artist in L.A. Uh, called Truck Torex.
0: Ah, very good. But inside are illustrations by um, the, the great um, Tom Fowler.
1: Yeah, so because the hero of the book is a comic book artist, we thought it would be fun to have excerpts from his sketchbook in them That's that he's nice. sort of sketching the, his adventures as he as he goes through trying to solve this crime before he goes away for it himself. And uh, I brought in Tom uh, to, to uh, draw it. He and I have worked on a bunch of things, like Hulk season one. We did a, a kid's book called How Toons for Image. Um, and Tom's uh, uh, actually illustrate before he actually illustrated Tom King's um, novel, prose novel that Tom did before he got Aww. into comics. So, so Tom is not. Uh, a stranger to the book illustration world and he did a terrific job
0: right right um well i mean this book is a is a tremendous hoot in so many levels i mean first off it is a murder mystery so if you like murders mysteries you'll like it but um it's also i mean if you're into comics it is a cornucopia of <laughs> Roman a right. clefa uh, i mean exactly. yeah i mean was that what you went into? Well, let's talk. You know what? Before we talk about that, I mean, how did it come about? I know that you had some friends at Quirk Books or? um, Well,
1: I had done a novel for them last year called Ten Dead Comedians that was sort of a pastiche of uh, Agatha Christie's. And then there were none except with um, stand up comics instead of mm-hmm. stiff upper lip British types. Um, and we really wanted to do another book together. And so I pitched them idea, uh, sort of another genre mashup. I mean, Quirk's kind of known for genre mashups mm-hmm. like its most famous book is Pride and Predative Zombies. Right. got made into a movie last year. And so I pitched them the idea of essentially doing this geek noir. Like, it has a lot of the, the sort of typical uh, noir elements, which is, uh, you know, a Southern California setting. There's a lot of governmental and, and social corruption. There's a first-person narrator. I don't know if i go so far as to call him hard-boiled, but, <laughs> but he's certainly a, a cynical comic book artist, as so many comic book artists are. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I wanted to sort of bring, you know, I've spent – a good chunk of my, actually my entire adult life, either trying to break into the comic industry or then, you know, being once being trapped, trying to break out. No, I'm kidding <laughs> you know, the last part. But, uh, yeah, you know, I've been around the comic industry, and comic cons my whole adult life. And so I, I, it was very fun to do something that was, cause I, I tend to write only genre stuff. It was very fun to draw from my own experience and the experience of my friends. Right. Um, and so there's a lot of like, I mean, you're as a longtime journalist and observer, Heidi, uh, and name-dropped (laughs) in the book, I'm just now remembering.
0: Yes, I am. I am, uh, yes. You and the Beach
1: are are name-dropped by one of the characters. Um, And uh, it was just fun to sort of, you know, you go on the road and you hear all these crazy stories, and it was fun to sort of take these real tales and put them into this fictional skeletal construct. You know, and, and, and most everything in the book, other than sort of the actual nuts and bolts of the murder mystery, all happened either to me or somebody told me about it. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I recognize a couple of, uh, you know, some incidents. incidents that might have crossed my radar even. Um, well, this is, you, you know, I'm, a, I'm an aficionado of one of my little hobbies is um, collecting all other media about Comic Cons. Okay. There's so there's been a few documentaries about Comic Con. There's actually a, a movie called Comic Con: The Movie, directed okay. by Mark Hamill. I, think, I believe it or not. Yes, yes. This came out. A documentary. No, it's a it's a it's it's. I think there might be a murder at the Comic Con. Actually, what's okay. It, what's it called? I I'm not sure. But uh, Mark Hamill's in it. Maybe he didn't direct it, I so I misspoke. I, I should remember. I do have the DVD of it. Uh, and, of course, there's Morgan Spurlock's, um, you know, Comic-Con documentary. And, and now, recently, there have been all these books set at Comic-Con and, uh, are not all, but, I mean, you know, a very slim shelf of which yours now uh, holds a prominent place. And Excellent. And I just, I think it's, it's just interesting seeing how... Um, how you know the setting of Comic Con, especially San Diego, uh, where they're all set because it is the most famous, sure, is, has become kind of um, what's the word? Relatable, I guess, to everybody,
1: <laughs> sure, it's uh, not this like weird destination anymore,
0: right? Right, yeah, um, but I mean, I, I guess uh you know in your first murder or murder mystery it was you know kind of a takeoff on Agatha Christie but I mean did you find that Comic-Con the the milieu of Comic-Con was a fertile setting for mystery?
1: Yeah I mean I I grew up I'm a huge Raymond Chandler fan and I love the Philip Marlowe novels and what was funny about this book was I had I had written about 50 percent of it when I sort of but I wrote the whole thing in the in the third person and mm-hmm. it wasn't until I I hit like the halfway mark, I was like, well, wait a minute, this is basically a noir, I should do this from the first person, and so I had to go back and rewrite the entire book, <laughs> and put it back in the first person, which was surprisingly less difficult than maybe it sounds, uh, just saying it like that, but then I, uh, then, after going through several rounds of proofreading and corrections, I caught a stray third-person mic subject mm-hmm. in a sentence in the first person, and so I was very proud of myself that I caught the last mic and got rid of it and turned it into an eye before it went to press. As a fellow uh, publishing maven, you'll, you'll appreciate that feeling of satisfaction. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes indeed, indeed, yes. Uh, well, you know, writing a book is a lot more words than writing a comic script, I guess, unless you're Alan Moore. Uh, right. Who you do kind of? I, I think there's a little bit of an Alan Moorish type figure in here. Uh, yes,
1: there's a very. He's uh, <laughs> an amalgamation of a bunch of different people.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Uh,
1: pretentious comic book writer and uh, potential suspect in the murder.
0: Right, right. Well, you do get to kill off uh, one of the most despised of all comics characters, the awful editor.
1: Yes. <laughs> Yes, I've been telling other editors it's about a it's about a comic book artist who's accused of murdering his editor, but it's not personal. It's not. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, there's not a jury that could convict him. A lot of times. Um, uh, also, so the, the the main character is uh, is named Mike Mason, and right. um, I I don't know, if, but uh, you know, in the in the book, he actually lives at Comic Cons. So he goes from Comic Con to Comic Con yes. ever since his marriage broke up. He, you know. He he just comes as a guest and lives. now, And, you know, I think some people might think that's far-fetched, but there actually is a real person who did that for a while, correct?
1: Yeah. Uh, my buddy Mike McCone, who I'd done Amazing Spider-Man with, I was standing a couple years ago, standing with him at the uh, at the baggage kiosk at Newark Airport when we were in for a luggage. And I was like, I'm going home. Where are you going after this? Or where are you living now? And he's like, oh, uh, nowhere. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> Well, I'm going to – I'm going from con to con, and he basically described what Mike does in the – the fictional Mike, excuse me, does in the book, um, which is that he would – if a con invited him – he's a very popular artist, so he gets a lot of invites – he said, sure, I'll come, but you have to put me up in the hotel for the whole week and extend me either direction for the weekend. Uh And, you know, I don't know if he – I did that in lieu of a speaker's fee or appearance fee or whatever, but then he would go and sketch sketches for folks and for fans during the con and he would make his money that way. And, uh, and he did that for two years. Wow. And, uh, you know, I, I I was like, that's an amazing story. And, uh, uh, Colson Whitehead, who's a writer I admire quite a lot, did a very good book called John Henry days. That was about a guy that was very similar about a journalist who sort of goes from press junket to press junk and is also sort of, uh, similarly, you know, uh, a wanderer or perhaps a hobo to right, right. at it and I would, and I couldn't stop thinking about this. And then I saw Mike, I'd still see Mike on the concert, like a year after that, I was like, I saw Mike at a show in Washington DC and I was like, um, I wrote a, I'm going to write a book about you. And he's like, ha, 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 very funny. <laughs> uh, and,
0: then,
1: and then I watched and I pitched – I told him I pitched the book that I was going to write about you. He's like, ah, yeah, whatever. And then a year after that, I saw him in Denver, mm-hmm. Denver Comic Con, and I quizzed him there. And I was like, I finished that book about you. I have some questions. <laughs> and so he talked to me about like um, how he lived, about the fact that he, he kept stuff at uh, various storage units around the country, like where the big cons are. And that's kind of how he survived. Um, now I'm happy to report he lives in Portland, so he has ceased his wandering.
0: <laughs> well, now, if I was going to pick the city that a comic book artist would end up in, I think Portland, Oregon yeah. would be the one. Cause, uh... not,
1: not a shocker. Comes <laughs> yeah. the
0: USA. Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, uh,
1: wow. And Mike, and there's some significant, like, you know, Mike is British, so he's got sort of whole expat thing, but my character, Mike, is an American, so mm-hmm. he doesn't have to deal with, you know, immigration right. or anything like that. Um, and when my favorite thing that Mike said, he said, well, after the first year of doing it, people will, I told people what I was doing and they were like, Oh, that was cool. And then after the second year I told people I was doing it, and they're like, Oh, that's sad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true. That is true. If you decide to lead a nomadic lifestyle for a year, everybody thinks you're a bold adventurer. Yeah. But then when it goes on, uh, to be honest, when I first heard about Mike doing this, I was like, what? And I became concerned for him. So <laughs>
1: He's, he is a very, like, maybe it's just the English affect, but he, he he's very mellow. Mm. He, he, he is exactly the sort of person you would imagine that would have the required temperament to do what he did. Right, right. Because well, he's so kind of laid back.
0: Well, I just finished um, a very long story about Comic-Con, and I talked to a lot of industry professionals about the fact that there are so many Comic-Cons right now. Yeah. And actually, Matt Hawkins from Top Cow, was joking that that was his plan, to get an RV, you know, and just drive around from con to con. Sure. Yeah. And, and you know, honestly, now, he, that lifestyle actually doesn't even sound that that un, unwieldy or unrealistic, you know? There's so many events. I mean, I guess it would be like being in a flea market or a carnival or a circus or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was I was in the Wizard World system for a long time, and it was all automated. So if I wanted to, I could have done a Wizard World show... You know, I just go online and you, you know, you set up your travel and they pay for it and they, and the hotel rooms, and I could have just bounced around. I mean, I think they have at least 30, what, 35 shows, something like that. Uh, well,
0: they've cut way back. They've cut way back to what, uh, like 17 enough. now. I think it's 16 okay. or 17. So, fair enough. Um, but,
1: uh, but no one, you know, once you're in the system, no one asks you any questions. <laughs> it's, only, it's not like anyone's inviting me to Tulsa. I just go online and go,
0: I'm going to Tulsa now. Right, you know, right, right. State
1: and your headshots in the system and it just spits it out in the Tulsa websites. Like, you know,
0: wow. I had no idea. It was that simple. Damn.
1: Oh yeah. If you really want, if if I really wanted to scam wizard world, I absolutely could have. It just started showing (laughs) up at shows. (laughs) Who's this
0: guy? Right, right, right. Um, wow. That's funny. Um, yeah, but I, well, I mean, if it isn't wizard though, it's like all these other shows that are starting. I mean, now there's Ace Comic Con and, and I mean, just so many local shows. I mean, we did talk about that and, and, uh, so you went to San Diego Comic-Con this year with Quirk to promote the book, correct? Yes. Uh, so yeah. how, how was that? What, what How did that experience go? It was
1: up? good. It was good. We did very well. Uh, I, I went for less time this year uh, because the year before I, I went to San Diego to research the book. And so I actually stayed quite a bit of time. My wife, Crystal, was actually born in the city of Industry, which is right outside San Diego. Mm-hmm. So she had not been back for a long time. So we kind of, you know, wandered around the streets she walked at four. When right, she was right, 15. right whatever, you know,
0: uh, uh right, uh, trip,
1: but definitely like to, it was one of the few times I've gone two years in a row because generally speaking, uh, I find San Diego sort of oppressive, mm-hmm. <laughs> just a lot of crowds and, uh, and, uh, uh, a lot of sort of, you know, uh, pop culture being screamed in your face for, for half a week or longer. does not necessarily fill me with excitement. Right. Um, but, uh, it, it it made it very easy to sort of come up with stuff and sort of make make fun of during the book and and in the book obviously there's a lot of like immersives from made up tv <laughs> shows like cell block z which is a prison sort of an orange is the new black meets the walking dead kind of prison
0: right 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 i loved that <laughs> that was a good one yeah yeah i mean they're also plausible i mean you have another like you know chase scene set at the the walking dead uh you know, yeah. Zombie Hut at Petco Park. Uh, you you did your re- research well, Fred. You found so many great set pieces that are so iconic.
1: Yeah, thanks. It, it, it's it was also fun to like come up with and like do like there's a there's a ice bar and at, mm-hmm. at, uh, something for uh, a comic that Steve Ellis and I tried to do called Absolute Zero <laughs> about this nuclear winter <laughs> book. So right. the the comic never actually came about, but I managed to use it as a right as a bit in the novel. So it's it's a lot of fun to sort of traipse around and 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 all just all of the great character you know you meet so many great characters in uh, in Comic Con like I was a, and it was just fun to talk to different colleagues like there's a there's a central crime it's not a murder that happens in the book that I actually ended up I was in a this is we were in a I was in a uh, I was Wizard World in New Orleans mm-hmm. and, and Dean Haspiel had knew somebody in the French quarter and all the artists, we all went to this guy's place. It's kind of loud gumbo shop bar in the French quarter. And I was talking to Howard shaken about the book And Danny Fingeroth happened to be sitting next to him, and and we were having this whole conversation. Because I knew Howard is such a sort of nose where all the bodies are buried, and I was trying to sort of get him to explain to me how this crime would be done. And both Howard and Danny started arguing about how it would be done. (laughs) This is impossible. You couldn't do that. And then they go, but what if you did this? And then they started riffing, and I was like, I'm stealing all of this. (laughs) This is all gold (laughs) and putting this in the book. you know. So that was exciting. Um, uh, Mike has a friend, has a table neighbor named Katie Poole, who's a very successful comics artist. And her thing in the book is that, is that among her other characters, she's about seven months pregnant. Uh-huh. And so I got to talk to my buddy, Katie Cook about, you know, <laughs> doing shows while pregnant and
0: right.
1: you know, how, you know, she was like, it's hard to draw at the table because every time she leaned forward, she felt like she had to pee. <laughs> you know, yeah. so she, yeah. she got one of those, uh, <clears throat> um, like lap pillows, like lap desks, you know Mm. what I mean? And that's where she sort of was able to lean back from her table and kind of get her commissions done.
0: Nice. Um, Nice. And I just like,
1: you know, I like like talking to creative workers and doing things about creative workers because so many people don't think of what we do as work,
0: you know? Right. Well, that's it, you know? I mean, there is this kind of... you know there is this mystique, uh although you know especially if you're an inker so <laughs> right. yeah, true. but uh yeah i i i always say like like you know the the comic con has kind of supplanted the the circus and the carnival and the popular imagination as kind of this place where you go to you know get your your adventure you know, not have adventures or live out your well,
1: fantasies That's just interesting way of like i don't disagree that makes a lot of sense i mean from from the pro standpoint well because what you get when you're going to every time you're going to comic con you know what i always get from people who don't know me like oh what are you dressing up as you know
0: right 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 it's,
1: yeah it's your costume and i'm like well you're looking at it unfortunately right right <laughs> so me. But, uh but, but you know it's like um it's like the way bands make money now in the age of uh digital music as they do live you know I think of it as the same thing as kind of doing live shows, you know?
0: Right, right. It is. Oh, very much so. It is, you know, and it is the tour. Um, And, uh, you know, I think that as as comic creators have come, you know, as they're dealing, I mean, that was part of the whole uh, point of my article is that, um, you know you really have to become selective about what shows you're gonna do I mean even I I this is my year where I've done I don't know I added it up it's like I've done eight shows I've traveled eight times and I got two more that I'm going to and maybe one more so that's a lot of travel I mean there's a little spider living in my kitchen you know <laughs> um I-
1: I, every Last night I was at the bar and my buddy and my friends who do, are not in comics always ask, well, how many shows you, do you do? And I go, oh, I, I'm cutting down. I'm doing eight. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like, wait, and he, they go, that doesn't sound like you're cutting down. I'm, no, it doesn't, does it? No. Like, every time, I keep feel like I'm trying to cut down shows, but but uh, you know, they keep kind of proliferating, you know? right? right and, right. Uh, I mean, I'm doing a show, a quote-unquote show. Well, everyone's trying to sort of get into it, right? Get the Comic-Con magic. I'm doing a a library outside Syracuse has invited me to a, their one day Comic Con um just do the con artists. And I love uh supporting libraries and going and doing that. But they're they're like, Yeah, it's it's great. We it's it's our Comic Con we have every year. Uh we spill out into the parking it's in the parking lot of the gas station next door, and I'm like, Wow, you so you guys are really selling this. I know, to they, me. They, they and, like, got, But then like we got a grant from the from the uh, town council. We're gonna bring you out and oh, and we're gonna bring out uh Spider Man. There's a guy in Oswego who does who, except and they spell Spider-Man whenever they spell, spell Spider-Man without the hyphen, I always think it's pronounced Spiderman.
0: Right, like, right.
1: Peter Parker Spiderman.
0: Right, right. Uh
1: but I'm like I get to meet Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> and then then the website just they sent out the schedule the other day and it's like it's it says Fred Van Neighborhood and the Scarlet Spider. Oh god. You didn't get the real Spider-Man,
0: right? Right. You got Paul Riley.
1: Jeez.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I, but I mean, why do you think this is? I mean, I, I, I mean, I guess I'm a little bit of confirmation bias, but. Um... But, you know, I do talk to librarians quite a bit. and They always say that their library, you know, when they do Comic-Cons, which are constant, uh, you know, they're among the biggest events at the library yes. each I, year. I did
1: one outside Chicago last year, and I was just blown away at, at how in this uh, relatively small town called Lockport, and it just was – I was mobbed. It was kind of bananas.
0: Right. And – you know, despite the the horrible low self esteem that the comics industry has traditionally labeled labored under and continues to labor under in some uh, some senses, you know, it, it, I always I always point out that you know maybe a library might have a science fiction day, but it doesn't go out into the parking lot and everybody wants to come. You know, I mean, it's always Comic Con, and and it has to be called Comic Con or people don't come to it like like events if they're they can be the same event but if it's not called Comic-Con it it doesn't get as much attention or excitement around that so there's something about this yeah. whole concept of the Comic-Con that's really captured people's imaginations and comics are definitely at the heart of it um i mean what do you have any theories about this or ideas um i mean
1: I think that it's part. I mean, I I think the simplest explanation is that the the fact that the MCU is the highest grossing box office uh, movie series of all time probably has something to do with it. Right. Probably has the bulk, in fact, to do with it. Um, But you know, uh, it's all stuff you know, you and I have been talking about for a couple decades now. It's (laughs) the mainstream comics through manga, you know, through a, a diversity of audience and a diversity of creations and creators bringing more people into the big tent. Um, and, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, and I think to a certain extent, the superhero comics are kind of suffering because, you know, when, when Green Arrow and Cloak and Dagger all have TV shows, you know, that's a tough thing to compete with.
0: Right. Right.
1: You know, it used to be with the backbone of the comics industry were these were the fact that you can only get these characters in this, more or less only in this particular form. And now that's just not true. Right. Anymore.
0: Uh, yeah. But uh, it, there is there is some alchemy to it, though, that uh, I, I've never had Satisfactory explained to me. Because, you know, I mean, you mentioned Arrow. And they have all <laughs> not, these... Not
1: specifically.
0: Yeah. You know, like, they have all these shows that are based on on them. In fact, they were started by the guy who plays Green Arrow. And uh, they're called Heroes and Villains. And, yeah. and uh, I hear those shows are dying out, you know. I mean, are they getting smaller and smaller? Mm-hmm. Because... You know, the show's been on for a while. I guess people aren't as... Whatever, I'm not even sure why. But I they're not growing. It's not like, you know, oh, hell, I don't yeah. want to go to New York Comic Con. I'm going to go to go to that Green Arrow show, you know?
1: Well, there's a definite, like, just as an attendee, there's a definite split between shows that are promoted as sort of generically pop culture shows and comic cons. Like, I did right. a show in London at the beginning of the year to promote con artists that was very much a TV stars type mm-hmm get their autographs type show and the, and the interest in re, not just comics, but sort of reading material in general is fairly low. But then you go to another show that is much more comics oriented and it just kind of explodes. But the interest is just overwhelming, you oh, know? Yeah. So, so I think it's, I think it's very, I think it's different in that. I think there's a very distinct difference between shows with people who want to take photos with the Batmobile you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. people who want the comic experience, who want books signed, or to pick up new things, or to you know meet a favorite creator, or something like that.
0: Right.
1: Um, and it does seem like the latter overperforms the, the the former, but that may very well be because they're actually like you know they've got a broader audience, they've right. got a broader right. customer base to appeal to.
0: Yeah, I mean, I th- I think so, but I I it's just I mean, even if you go to a thing like BookCon, I mean, I saw you at BookCon. And yeah. and you know, I mean, there was definitely a, lo- a lot of excitement at BookCon. There were okay. a lot of people there. There was a lot of people lined up for their authors. But it's still to me, it still just didn't have the energy of a Comic Con.
1: Yeah, I hear you. That that was a show where I did exceptionally well at. Um, but I think that that's probably just because of of who. Number one, I think. He, I mean, I would also say that say East, East Coast shows in general do better than anywhere else right, because, right. For whatever reason, we're we're a real reading capital. Um, but yeah. BookCon has kind of struggled, I think, to find an identity, and BookCon being, for those who don't know, the BEA, the sort of industry gathering of um, booksellers and and publishers and writers sort of trying to glom on what we've been talking about. This whole kind of Comic-Con magic added a weekend. Like, I guess they extended the show. You might know better than me. Uh, Did they just change? Did did the show go... Through the weekend before or is that a new well they,
0: you know they I think it's it's put on by ReadPop. Pop I mean, you know, both shows are Book Expo and BookCon are put on and New York Comic Con are put on by ReadPop, and I think they just did what I did and looked at New York Comic Con and said geez we need this level of excitement for the book show so they yeah. started an event called BookCon and you know they're trying to stick with BookCon because to be honest it's more lucrative you know B E A yeah. is a is a, a trade a, show. Yeah, it's a trade show, and you give away books, whereas at BookCon, you sell books. And, um, you know, yeah. that you said you did very well there. was great to hear. I mean, I, I, certainly it was a good show. I'm not I'm not knocking BookCon. I think they've kind of got this, you know, they're learning how to do this model.
1: I feel like this year is the year they finally figured it out. Right. And where it actually felt like, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying about the energy being different, but but I kind of feel like they find, like, before, right. like, everyone was just kind of, uh the calendar had been before cuz i think it came to the end of bea everybody was just the vendors were all just like oh, shoot me. <laughs> they were just all exhausted right. you know from just done bea the whole week right, i right. think i think maybe they i don't know if the if the if the vendors realize we got to get some fresh staff in <laughs> right
0: right right i know it's, it's a long it's it's longer than comic con really when you add yeah. it all up yeah. um well, you know fred i wanted to talk to you a bit about um, just the stuff that you're working on now, because this is your second novel. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, you have written so many comics and, uh, you know, I mean, from some classic stuff like Marvel zombies to, uh, uh, um,
1: I wrote Spiderman web of Spiderman, yep.
0: web of Spiderman. Um, of course, action philosophers, uh, um, yes. now the action presidents. And one of my yep. favorites, the comic book history of comics. Thank you. Yes. Um, but I mean, you've written a lot of fantastic nonfiction comics, uh, but you were, we were talking, you know, in prepping for this interview, uh, you're talking a little bit more that you, that you're doing a little bit more prose now or going, what's, what's I am. Work? Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff, but very little of it is in the direct market right mm-hmm. now. Like, uh, my wife, Crystal Skillman, and I have a line webtoon coming out towards the end of the year called Eat Fighter that we're very excited mm-hmm. about. Uh, right now for Random House, I'm doing the comic history of basketball. Mm-hmm which is taking up a lot of my time, which is sort of an exciting, fascinating subject. And uh, Ryan and I uh, are going to do more uh, uh, nonfiction comics. And we're, we have a very exciting project uh, uh, involving a local government that I can't really talk about. <laughs> but uh, but uh, hopefully we're going to get kids more interested in government ser- both government service and uh, activism.
0: I'm just a bill up on Capitol Hill. Little, uh,
1: some of that, and yeah. then there's also some go out in the streets with your signs and make your voice heard. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: and that would be Ryan Dunlavy, correct?
1: So, I, yes. yes, Ryan Dunlavy, my frequent partner in crime in the aforementioned action presidents and comic right,
0: conference. right. And as long as we're talking about collaborators, I also want to give a shout out to your wife, Crystal. Who you've mentioned yes. several times, Crystal Skelman, who's a, a very respected playwright. Mm -hmm. uh here and uh and um and you and she have have collaborated on a little bit right i mean she's definitely the dramatist but yeah
1: we're we're doing a lot more we did a we did a show a couple years ago called king kirby that is about the life of jack kirby uh and that's still done around the country and uh we have a strip coming out from LINE webtoon that we created together called Eat Fighter mm-hmm. that sort of fight club meets food network it's about illegal underground competitive eating
0: mm-hmm.
1: um it's wonderful and it's being <laughs> drawn by the great uh Fernando Pinto who is a great young artist from Chile that I think you're Oh cool. All good, hearing a lot more from.
0: Yeah, excellent, excellent. Um yeah, oh no, I went and saw there you're a production of King Kirby and uh it really is a is a wonderful play and um you know it's funny you mentioned Dean Hastingsville because his his he's become a play right now himself. Yeah,
1: that's right. We King Kirby was in the same show as I think or the same festival as his first play. I think.
0: Yeah, and um, I mean his work's also heavily referenced at Kirby. <laughs> so yeah, yep. it seems to be a dramatic touchstone there. Um, you know how do you though? I mean you definitely uh, strike me as someone I. I uh, let me rephrase. I always start my questions. Then. I strike my tra- it with someone. Yeah, you know, my train of thought is so often derailed by my own brain. Um, you know, I one of the- if There's
1: no one that would be really depressing.
0: <laughs> um, one of the things that you write about in The Con Artist is that, uh, you know, even though there's this kind of overlying fun, carnival, crazy times, it's also so nerve-wracking and fraught with anxiety for creators, you know, who are going there to look for work. You know, yeah. or have meetings and you know fi- um, meet with their editors and all that sort of stuff. But I, I mean, there is this—it uh, is this also heavy-duty business aspect of it.
1: Um, yeah. see, see all the people who are more more successful than you are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, right. It really is a test. But I, I was going to say, you—you um, uh, you don't strike me. I mean, there—you do kind of mention a little bit in there, like people who. Uh, are like, oh my god, if I don't keep writing Spider-Man, you know, my life is right. over. Whereas uh, you don't seem to be quite as... Um, you have a lot of pots on the stove, is what I'm trying to yeah. say. You know, yeah. you have...
1: I, Go on. I was going to say, that that is largely a result of not wanting to be chained to the big two.
0: Right.
1: Um, because this, I mean, I've gotten a lot of great work and met a lot of great people and like our friends, the big two, but the simple fact of the matter is, is you are there that Uh (laughs) Spitterman and Batman and all the other characters are terrific, but, but they're owned by these other entities and, and you don't want to give too much of your power and the decision over your life and your career to other people. Right. Because, I mean, that's, you know, I do a lot of these, and other things you, you do a lot of cons or these sort of, how do I break into comics? You know, how do I write comics type things? And you do get a lot of people who all they want out of life is to write the X-Men. Right. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, but you can't, but that just, but that's not like, you know, that's not like saying you want to do a, Ironman marathon or something like right. you know it's not a it's a goal that is only this smidgen of a percentage. I'm holding two fingers really close together, you guys. Right. I know it's hard <laughs> to tell, else, but but, uh, but it's it's only something that you have very little, only a, a, a fraction of an ability to control. Most of that is going to be by editors,
0: right.
1: you know, fiat. So um, uh, also once you've done the big two thing, um, that's kind of like, like you've done it. And so doing more of it is not necessarily additive value to your career. Right. Uh, so yeah, so I definitely, um, particularly in the past couple of years and the novel writing is part of that is def- I've definitely tried to sort of create more things that are mine and that I can control and do things that, 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 that are under my control as opposed to, you know, hoping that, um, editors call.
0: Right, right, right.
1: But but I'm definitely gonna have to start doing more sort of, Floppy comics and 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 monthly comics because man they forget about you quick (laughs) right
0: right right (laughs) you've
1: got to you've got to stay in the in the in the in the stream you know if you Mm -hmm. get out for too long it just kind of passes you by and you're like oh no and you just got to break in all over again
0: right well the editors all changed too that's the other thing you know that's
1: true yeah there's been a I feel like there's been a lot of turnover recently um just in the last couple years
0: there has there really has and we're actually going through quite a period of turmoil i feel in the industry but it's also at like peak um kind of peak uh employment like i see you know back in the day maybe somebody would you know leave or lose their job and then they'd be on facebook for the next um can you hear me yep okay sorry just listening Uh, uh, no so then you'd see them on facebook for the next you know year like oh i need a job i need a job you know whereas now it's like ha ha suckers i'm already working over at you know spectacular comics (laughs) which is great that's healthy that's super healthy um do you have any tips though for i mean how do you do i mean do you feel like there's um more acceptance of comic book writers who are writing novels and video games and all that other stuff. I mean, is it easier to cross over maybe than it was when you broke in?
1: I I, I think it certainly is. If you can slap the Marvel brand on your resume. I mean, I, I, I have no illusions that a lot of my opportunities have come from the fact that people are like, Oh, you wrote, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, y- y- that I have the Marvel pixie dust on me, you know? Right. So, uh, <laughs> And, and also like the way the publishing industry works, if you're, if you're well known for some other thing, that's so much easier to getting your book done. It's not even funny. You know what I mean? You know, it's like how every celebrity seems to have a picture book.
0: Right. Right.
1: It's kind of the same basic principle, you know,
0: because celebrities are really so good at writing for small children. So (laughs) that's
1: right. That's right. They have a lot (laughs) to say about puppies.
0: Right. Right. Um, Well, I I mean, there's certainly, you know, it's a very exciting time. And I I actually think a lot of this cross-disciplinary, you know, crossing over. And, I mean, you know, you mentioned Tom King earlier. I mean, here's a guy who wrote a a pretty serious novel that I have sitting here uh, on my shelf. And, uh, you know, as an escape from the CIA. And now he's the toast of comics, you know, writing comics. Absolutely.
1: That's how it goes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, Let me see. Uh, well, so what is next for you? What is next for you, Fred? What else can we, uh, oh, I know the con artist, uh, just seems to be ripe for a movie. What a great movie it would make.
1: (laughs) Hey, work. And I are not arguing with you at all.
0: (laughs) yeah well and also i i've always this is a freebie but i always put this idea out there i can't believe that they haven't done it just make them a, a, a com movie set at a comic-con with you know all the people who are always set up in the celebrity aisle you know it could have boomer in it it could have virgil in it um yeah 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 <laughs> but yeah
1: anyway, ranger
0: oh yeah absolutely the green power ranger totally um so, yeah, what's next for Fred? What else is uh next project after this? Well, I
1: took, I took a year off, and I finished uh, two novels, one of which um, I co-wrote with uh, a great novelist buddy of mine by the name of David Wellington, and so we're going to start shopping that around. I mentioned I'm doing the the basketball comic, mm-hmm,
0: right?
1: which I'm super excited about, uh, and then I'm sort of dabbling in a couple other things. Um, uh, but like I said, they're all sort of long-term things that I can't really get into too much detail now, but it's, it's a very exciting time. Like you said, it's a very, uh, it's, it's, it, the, everything is sort of ripe with opportunity. You know, uh, the audio space is now opening up. So there's a lot of interest in sort of what I would call radio dramas, but ah. I, guess, I guess they call them fiction, fictional podcasts. I don't quite know what the, what the current term of art is. Um, and, uh, uh and then I guess I have e fighter. the the webtoon that's
0: coming. Right, out. right, right. Yes, yeah, so certainly a lot. Um, and yeah, you know that's true. Podcasts. Oh my god, these, these entertainment podcasts are so enormous. And you know it is really amazing how these some of these formats. Uh, that you know the radio drama died out, but the need to listen to a story never died out.
1: <laughs> that's right. Yeah. While driving. Right. The need to listen to a story while driving. Yes. Yeah, and also made just as like the how big the audiobook.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: spaces i should add that both of my novels tended comedians and the con artist are both available in audiobook
0: well there you go you can find friend van lente in any medium that you choose to find uh well anyway all
1: five senses can be experienced at some for the the right price
0: (laughs) (laughs) well anyway the book is the con artist um. By uh, Fred Van Lente, with uh, delightful illos by Tom Fowler. Uh, on sale now. Fred is still out there touring, so see if you can catch him. Uh, Fred, yep. thanks so much for joining us today, and more to come. Thanks, Heidi. All right.